We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. So hello, I'm Chris and can I also, along with Catherine, extend my welcome to you. And um, it's really great that you're here, friends, family, people just you're vis- visiting for the first time. I'm really glad you've came. Um, so yeah, I'm Chris. I get the joy of leading the church and our leadership team and of speaking to you this morning. Um, it's really great to be able to do that and to celebrate baby dedications as well. Um, this morning's talk is going to be in 1 Samuel. So as Catherine said, it's in on page 183, uh, or 1 Samuel chapter 1, you can turn to it. And each week, in fact, we love to preach from the Bible. Uh, We've just finished going through the book of Ruth. Uh, In a few weeks' time, we're going to start going through different stories in the Bible, actually. And different people are going to come up each week, and they're going to preach from a different story in the Bible. And they're going to share a bit of their story, and how God has changed their life as well. And so you'll be really welcome to join us for those. Today's story is about a lady called Hannah, who dedicates her son Samuel to God. So isn't that great? I'm looking at baby dedications. We're going to look at how Hannah dedicates her son to God. That wasn't fluke. I chose it for a reason. Um, And I'm praying, my hope is that this morning, actually, that for the parents, um, that you will learn what it means to dedicate your children to, to God. But actually, that each of us would know what it means to dedicate our lives to God. And, um, and so our, the title of this morning's talk is actually dedicating... This isn't working, Josh, so I don't know if the thing needs to be plugged in. Uh, dedicating our lives to the Lord. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. What does it mean to have a life dedicated to God? What does it mean to be parents who dedicate our, li- our children to the Lord? So we're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 1. And what I'll do is I'll read a bit and talk a bit. Uh, to help give a bit of context as we go along and it's not going to come up on the screen so you do need a bible if you still want a bible keep your hand up in the air it will arrive to you shortly so one one samuel chapter one there was a certain man from ramathaim a zoophyte from the hill country of ephraim whose name was elkanah son of jerome the son of eliahu the son of tohu the son of zuth an ephraimite don't worry if you get all those words, it doesn't matter. But if you were here last week, this guy called um, Elkanah is from the same tribe as Boaz, who married Ruth. He's an Ephrathite, comes from, uh, and they are based in Bethlehem in the tribe of Judah. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had none. So Quick pause again. I love the detail that the Bible gives. These are real people set in real history, in a real context. They're not just made up people. Elkanah lived. He had two wives. It was Penaniah and Hannah. Hannah was barren. And that, again, is something to highlight. I say it every week. Whenever we find someone who's barren in the Bible, look out. Because God is going to do something. In Genesis, Abraham's wife, Sarah, was barren. And then God gave some promises to Abraham. Isaac's wife, Rachel, was barren. Um, in Judges, Samson's mother was barren before he gave birth, she gave birth to Samson. In Ruth, uh, Ruth was infertile for many, many years before she gave birth to Obed. And now we get to Hannah, who's barren. And we're going to find out soon that she gives birth to a son. It says in verse 3, year after year, 
this man, Elkanah, he went up from his town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at a place called Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinas, who are the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penaniah and to all her sons and to all her daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. So you know this is going to cause some trouble because Hannah doesn't have any children. And so by right, she doesn't deserve to have as much as Penaniah. Penaniah should have all and enough meat to serve her family and her kids. And yet, um, Alkanah gives her a double portion. Now, I have two daughters, Talia and Naya. They're great fun. If I give them different portions of dinner, or especially pudding, um, you know, we know about it. We hear about it for days. But imagine if I had two wives and gave them different portions... That would be bad news. I'll be in trouble. And yet, that's what Elkanah does. He gives Hannah more because he loves her. It says, because the Lord closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. So this is Penaniah provoking Hannah. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And like a typical bloke, when his wife's in trouble, he says, what more do you need? You don't need 10 sons. You got me. Chapter, uh, verse 9. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest, he was sitting in his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. It's like a sign of dedication to God. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought that she was drunk. And he said to her, well, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and my grief or anxiety and vexation. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And she said, well, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went away, she ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and they worshipped before the Lord, and they went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son, and she named the son Samuel, saying, because, the Lord, uh, because I asked the Lord for him. And when her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah didn't go. She said to her husband, well, I'm going to wait till the boy is weaned, and then I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. And so Elkanah, he's obviously, rather than, hey, don't worry, you're not pregnant, you've got me. He has some good advice, and he says, do whatever seems best to you. It's a great response from a bloke to his wife. Stay here until you've weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word to you. 
So the woman stayed at home. She nursed her son until she weaned him. And then after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli. And she said to him, pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he, and she, and yeah, and he as in Samuel, worshipped the Lord there. So Hannah gives birth, but she also keeps his, her promise. And she goes and dedicates Samuel to the temple. He then lives there. He grows up learning from Eli, the priest, serving the Lord there. And, uh, and then she says this beautiful prayer, which is in chapter 2. I won't read it all, but here's a few lines of it. She says, Hannah's prayer is, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, of my, in the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. It's an amazing story. This story right at the beginning of Samuel where um, you've got this woman in distress and yet God comes along and does an amazing thing in her life. And this is set back in the Old Testament. So this is before Jesus come, about 1,000 years, 1,500 years before Jesus comes. And the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel actually, they tell us of amazing stories. There's like Big major things happen. There's David and Goliath, you might have heard of him. There's uh, people like, in Judges, you've got people like Samson. In, you've got, later on, you've got people like Solomon, who builds a big temple, who's really wise and, and has lots of gold and riches. And yet, at the heart of all these extraordinary events, um, it, this kind of the start of the books, just focusing on this couple, this individual, this couple. Well, there's three of them because he's married to two wives, but this small family. And, you know, this morning we're going to be giving thanks to, for Lucas and for Toby. And we're going to be making a statement of dedication to God for these young lives. And it echoes Hannah bringing her son to the temple, dedicating, to, dedicating uh, him to God. And so um, it's good for us to know that actually God cares about every individual. He cares about Toby he cares about Lucas, he cares about you, he cares about me, he cares about Hannah and Alkanah, and he's committed to wanting to work in their lives. And how do we go about dedication then? Well, Hannah, Hannah's story is a bit of our story, and so we're just going to work through her story. And I've got three Ds for us this morning, and that is that Hannah goes from desperation to declaration to dedication. So there are three Ds. So first, we're going to start off with desperation. Hannah's in a difficult situation. She was the first wife, actually, of a reasonably good and godly man in Elkanah. And Elkanah, he loved Hannah the most. That's why he married her. But then Penaniah was the one with children. She was the one that had been blessed with heritage and line, where the family line would run through, where his inheritance would run through. And so obviously Hannah is unhappy, and she's probably unhappy for four reasons. First of all, um, she's been unable to conceive. And today, that is a difficult thing to go through for anyone. But back then, it was equally as difficult and would have all sorts of complications of financial complications, economic complications, heritage complications. And so it was a cultural thing that would bring about shame, actually, in that culture. So she's sad because of that. She's also um, sad because Alkanah's second wife, Penaniah, was a bit nasty. 
bit of hard piece of work. And uh, he probably took her as a wife because she couldn't have children and he needs to carry on his family life. And uh, she is not, she's got a nasty streak in her. And so she's constantly goading her. And she's like, hey, Hannah, should we take the kids to the park? Oh, no, wait. You can't, can you? She's like winding her up. She's prodding her, poking her. She's also unhappy because of the time of year that it is. For uh, Alkana, every year the family would go up to the temple at Shiloh. They would worship God. And this was like a Jewish feast where you would um, give thanks to God for the harvest. It's about fruitfulness, abundance, fertility. And this whole celebration was about God's provision. And yet Hannah's feeling like she's lacking everything. God, where are you in this midst? It's a miserable time of year for her. And, uh, and then just to top it all off. She's got to cope with an insensitive husband who comes along. It's like, hey, why are you crying? You don't need children. You've got me. It's all good. I'm all you need, babe. And that's difficult. We don't really, um, you know, I don't pretend to understand the complex and mysterious mind of Catherine. Or any woman, for that matter. But I'm pretty sure that when she is upset and distressed, a response that I should stay away from is, don't worry, babe. It's all good. He got me. It's all right. It's all right. The Bible doesn't tell us Hannah's response to that. Maybe they asterisked it out or something. Um, But it does say in verse 10 that she was deeply distressed. It may be that, um, that you know what it is to be sad and broken and distressed. It may be that you're struggling to have children and you know exactly how Hannah is feeling. It may be that you've got an insensitive husband it may be that coming to a dedication or wife it may be that coming to a dedication Sunday like this is actually really difficult as we celebrate new life and babies and actually what you've you've known a lacking of that uh, a difficulty in that area it may be that this time of year is difficult it may be that the Lord has or you feel like life has dealt you a tough hand there's a heaviness in your heart you might seem like everyone else is living at large and they've got it all sorted and you just see the loss the lacking, the loneliness, the family issues, the bereavement, the relationship issues, the work issues. It's easy to feel insignificant and small, small in spirit and lacking. And I guess the first thing for us to know about this desperation is that Hannah doesn't see that as a reason to run away from God. Actually, in her desperation, she clings to him. She goes to him and her worship to God is unconditional. It's unconditional worship. Her circumstance isn't a reason for her not to trust in God. The situation she finds herself in isn't a reason not to trust in God. What's going on in the nation at the time, because she's coming out of the time of judges where they don't don't have good rule or leadership, and just because that's going on, it doesn't give her a reason not to trust in God. Instead, and she didn't allow her sadness or her problems to pull her away, she drew herself in. Even while the rest of the family are kind of tucking in, having food, she goes off to the temple and prays. She spends time there. Where's my help going to come from? So come on, you might need to hear that this morning. You know, it might be that you have felt defeated, lonely, and you're stepping back from the things of God, from church, from his presence, from people who love him. And my encouragement this morning is to step in. Actually, dedicating our lives to God. Is about stepping into him regardless of our circumstances, trusting in his promises, trusting that actually he is able to turn every situation to good. Ironically, the name Hannah, it means like grace or favour, and she's obviously feeling like she's lacking all of those things. But 
she actually knows that it's not through her own merit that she can come before God. It's not because she's perfect. It's not because she's good enough, but it's because she believes in a God who is amazing. And so that's why she comes to the temple and she prays, she cries out to him. And we can do exactly the same. So a desperation, it turns then to declaration. That's our second D. What did she pray? Well, in verse 12, it says that she, she didn't just pray once, but she continued to pray before the Lord day after day and uh, as we get into chapter two even after she's had her son she continues to pray then it's not like she just comes before God when she's in a difficult situation actually through the good times too she comes and gives thanks and she prays and she spends time with him we get a bit of an insight here not just into the fact that Hannah prayed but how she prayed and she doesn't just pray like like I said when she wants something but she prays in every situation It's good for us to remember God in the good times and in the bad times. And I would call this uncomplicated prayer. So we had unconditional worship. This is uncomplicated prayer. She was honest before God. It says that she's been pouring out her soul before the Lord. And so three things on that then. Being honest before God, what does that look like? Well, first of all, uncomplicated prayer, it looks like being honest. So she started her prayer by bringing to mind, not her situation, but who God is, the nature of God. So in verse 11, she says, O Lord of hosts, or O Lord Almighty. This is the name that God gives his people, and it means like he is the commander of the armies. He's the ruler of the heavens. He's the one who is sovereign, and it's that name that she's kind of calling on. So she's remembering, hey, who is this God? He's the Lord of all the armies. He's the king in heaven. And so she starts off by saying that. She has full confidence that God has sovereignty over her circumstance and over every circumstance that she might come across, even her barrenness. And you might struggle with the idea that God is sovereign over bad situations, but when difficult things happen to me, I'd much rather know that there is a God in control and able to do something about it than think that actually he's got no control or no power. This area is out of his control because then he wouldn't be God at all anyway, would he? And what's the point of going to someone, praying to someone who can't do anything about a situation? It's useless. But actually, the Bible tells us that God is sovereign, and he is able to turn all things to good. And it's clear that he's sovereign over all things. And Hannah, she begins by praying that, saying, O Lord of hosts, God Almighty, in chapter 2, she says, there is no one like God. There is none like you, that he is the rock in which he bases her life. And so when you pray, try not to begin by focusing on yourself, but focus on truth, on God's truth. Look into the Bible and find out what truth does he have in there for you. Secondly, Hannah was honest about her situation and how she was feeling. She didn't, cope, she didn't say, oh, it's going to be all right, it's all good. She was honest. And she says, it says like she's troubled in spirit. She's been pouring out her soul. She's, been in, she's got great anxiety. She's got a great vexation. And Eli, the priest, um, looked at her and thought it was so bad that he thought she was drunk and that she was out of her mind. And no, she was just honest. She wasn't like tidy prayer. She was coming in tears and in pain and calling before God and saying, God, this is rubbish. Can you intervene in this situation? So let's also be people who are honest and come before God in that way. Thirdly, um, she was honest about what God could do. So Hannah prayed that God would give her a son. She said, God, would you provide me a son? 
And it's a bit surprising because she kind of seems to do a bit of a deal with God. She's like, okay, God, here's the deal. You give me a son and I'll return him back to you. Um, and he, he will live in the temple and serve you in the temple. We're not meant to take from this that we should start to try to strike deals with God. That's not really the heart of what she's saying. The heart of what she's saying is she's saying, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be here. I'm going to give myself to you. That's why I'm here at the temple. That's why I'm worshipping. But if you provide me a son, then I'll be able to maximise my worship. I'll be able to bring my whole family to come to know you. I want to give you the maximum glory. She's kind of making a promise. to. It's a vow. That's the word that's used. A vow before the Lord. She's not bartering with God. She's saying, without a son, I can give you this much worship. I can give you myself. But with children, with heirs, I can give you my whole family. All my being, I can give you. It was out of the expanse of her heart and her desire to worship God, like as great as she could, that she wanted a son. She wanted a child. And, um, and so, that's the same for us. We should bring our request to God. That's what a life dedicated to the Lord looks like. It's not bargaining with him. That's missing the point. But it's praying, Lord, I want to maximise my worship to you. So I love being part, you know, I love being part of the church, but I want to give my whole life to you. I want to give everything I have to you. I want to give all my being to you. Lord, thank you so much for what you've given me, this money that's financially given me. But if you give me that job, I'll be able to worship you with all my resources, with even more resources, with greater things. It's like, how can I maximise my worship? She's uncomplicated prayer, honest about who God is, honest about her feelings, and honest about what she wants God to do in that situation. And all of that leads to dedication. Her devotion to God was unlimited. So she's got unconditional worship, uncomplicated prayer, and then unlimited devotion to God. Hannah was good to her promise. She took her son. She didn't think, oh, cha-ching, he's provided me a son, done. See you later, God. No, actually, she follows through. And once Samuel was born and weaned, uh, he was probably about three years old, she brought him to the temple and she dedicated him to the service of the Lord there. Um, we're told that Hannah would visit Samuel at least once a year, that she would make little priestly robes for him that looked all cute, that she would do that. We find that out later on. And, uh, and he, he served God there. Now, don't worry, parents, you don't have to leave your children here with me. That would be the worst thing for them. You're not asked to do that. But this whole idea of dedicating our children to God is to bringing them into his service. And Hannah's dedication of her son to God is often kind of seen as the pinnacle sacrificial type worship like that was it but this wasn't a one-off for her this wasn't just a one-off religious ceremony that she turned up to on one occasion actually her whole life was devoted to God that's what unlimited devotion is it wasn't just turning up on a Sunday morning once to dedicate him and um, it would be easy to think that today is just some kind of religious activity um, that these families are doing. Just on one, one time, just, yeah, we'll go and we'll just pray for our kids and that'll be it, we're done. No, actually, what, this is an extension to uh, the riddles and the pasaris, unlimited worship to God. And it's, out, it's an overflow of their lives, of all that they do. This baby dedication isn't just, yeah, this one-off religious activity. And it's not making um, 
Toby and Lucas are Christian. They can only do that themselves. They're the ones, that they can only be the ones who decide. So what is it? Well, it's an act of thanksgiving. It's coming before God and saying, God, we believe that children are a gift from you and we're going to give thanks to you for them. It's an act of worship. It's saying, God, you deserve all our worship and we want to worship you in this moment. It's a commitment to bring up these people to know God. And it's a decision. It's a choice that the parents are making, saying, yes, we, we thank God for them and we're going to teach them about him. Ultimately, it's recognising that each child is actually God's child, like Hannah did. Hannah recognised this was actually God's child that God entrusted to Hannah and Alkanah for a season, and she was giving them back to them. She was entrusting them back to them. And that's what the parents are doing today. They're saying, God, we recognise that ultimately, Toby and Lucas are not made in their image. They're made in God's image. And we're entrusting them to God's care. And we're grateful that God has entrusted them to us for a season. And we'll do our best to raise them up and to bring them up and to do the best we can. But we know that ultimately God is in control of their lives. And we're dedicating them to him. It's an acknowledgement that help is needed. Help from God, help from the church, help from family, help from friends to bring up these people in the Lord. It's a statement to say that God will have the final say in these children's lives. Each of these parents believe that God has blessed them with these children, and we do too, and that they are entrusted to their care for this season. And each of them are saying, Lord, we are so grateful, just like Hannah. We're so grateful for what you have done, for what you have given us, and we want to give you all the thanks and all the glory and all the praise, and we want to dedicate them back to you and say, Lord, they are yours. We, we trust that they are yours. Hannah, it wasn't just this one-off moment. Hannah created an environment at home where God was honoured and that he was the most important thing to her life. And the children, her children saw that. And so as she would have gone and visited him each year, she would have reminded him, hey Samuel, keep trusting in God. She would have encouraged him. She would have kept honouring God. Because the reality is, is that if we live our lives any other way, if trusting in God is just a Sunday morning thing, our children will see right through it. That's the reality. Because I know relationship, I'm influenced not by my parents' words, but how their lives were lived. And that's the same for every child on this planet. That's how they're influenced. And so it's important that we live our lives um, dedicated to the whole. Unlimited devotion every day, every moment. And that's that's all of us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Just as they do... um, I just want to finish off by saying that actually this story that Hannah's led us through from desperation to declaration to dedication, that's not just Hannah's story, it's actually each of our story. In fact, it's what the Bible will talk about is the gospel. The gospel is this story that every single one of us actually find ourselves in a desperate situation. And we are desperate because we have all sinned. We've fallen short from the glory of God and our sin has separated us from God's goodness. It's desperate. It means we are away from him. But the gospel says that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God saw our desperate situation and made a way of acting in it. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sin, to die on the cross, that we might be made whole and come back into relationship with God. He was the one and only person in history that didn't deserve to die and yet willingly took his place on the cross for our place. And then the gospel invites us to respond in dedication. 
Believing in Jesus only makes sense if you believe in him as God and as Lord over everything. And so we're going to live our whole lives dedicated to him. So when we put our trust in God, like Samuel, we too can trust that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. From desperation to declaration to dedication, it's not just Hannah's story, it's all our story. And it's, we're praying that it will be the story, actually, of these young children as well, that they would come to know God and to put their trust in him, to be able to declare that he is good and faithful over their lives and that they would continue to live unconditional worship to him, uncomplicated prayers in unlimited devotion. Let's stand together. As we do, we're going to pray. And um, whilst we sing... I'll encourage parents to go and get your kids. Um, But just before we do, let me pray. And uh, you can pray along with me. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for uh, this story that is written down, recorded for us in the Old Testament at the beginning of Samuel. I thank you for all that we see in Hannah's kind of devotion to you. Thank you, Lord God, that this morning as we come and celebrate new life and as we pray for and dedicate Toby and Lucas, Lord, I thank you that your hand is upon them. Thank you, Lord God, that you created them, that they are a gift from you to us and to families. And we just pray this morning that um, that you will help. I pray that you would help the parents. Would you strengthen them? Help them to bring them up in you. Help them to be dedicated and devoted to serving you and loving you and to serving their children and loving their children. And I pray, Lord God, that for every single one of us, that we would remember that this, this story is our story. Would you help us to be people that put our trust in you, God, to follow you, to not just discard you, forget you, but actually to trust you daily in our lives, to look to you, Lord, for those of us who don't know you, Lord, I pray, would you help us to find you? Lord, you say you seek, knock, and you shall find. Well, we're standing here. I pray, give us the courage to reach out to you in our hearts, to invite you in, to say, Lord, if you're real, come and speak to me now. So, Father, we, we know that you're good and we trust you and we just ask you, Lord God, to be with us as we worship you again and as we sing to you. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.